Brad Hill here. There is no better way to share a story than around a campfire. And if you are in the Mobile Bay area, there is no better place to get firewood than our friends at Mobile Bay Firewood. This is a family-owned business, and I personally love using their easy-to-light kiln-dried firewood in my fire pit. So use promo code MBFTSO for $15 off of your next order at mobilebayfirewood.com. Longtime friends of the podcast, the Growly Leather Company is a family-owned leather goods company in southern Alabama. All of their leather goods are designed and handcrafted to come alongside you in your daily life, share in your adventures, and reflect your character. Brian and I both enjoy products from Growly Leather. So visit GrowlyLeather.com and use promo code TSO2022 for a 15% discount at checkout. Find you a leather journal and fill it with stories from the storied outdoors. This is the Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. This essay is entitled The Nine Mile Ride, written by Dr. Brian Gill and read for you by Brad Hill. It's been true in my life that when I've needed a mentor, the right one shows up. Ken Blanchard The streets were dark that early April morning. The aroma from a nearby bakery was beginning to waft down the alleyway as the only sound we could hear was the wind whooshing past our ears. The air was crisp and the sun had just begun to kiss the tips of the surrounding skyscrapers. Smoke seeped through the manhole covers as storefront merchants readied the entryways of their shops. There were no taxis honking their horns, and no masses of people were trying to cross the streets. The city that never sleeps was, in fact, not awake yet as Bill and I rode our bicycles through the empty streets of Lower Manhattan. Working our way to the starting line of what would be a 40-mile ride through the five boroughs of New York. Bill, a few years younger than my father, and I had known each other since 2009 when he became my boss. The economy at the time was beginning to ascend from a recession one that made it difficult to find a job fresh out of grad school. After sending out countless resumes and job applications to no avail, Bill was the only person to offer me a job. So my wife and I and our one-year-old yellow lab named Roscoe packed up our belongings and moved to an apartment near the banks of the Mississippi River in Memphis, Tennessee. For the next five years, Bill transitioned from being my boss to being my mentor, as I was a young, inexperienced, and trying to learn how to be the executive of a nonprofit, all the while leading a metro college ministry for five different campuses in the metro Memphis area. 
Bill helped me understand how to be more discerning with my ideas and how to navigate naysayers who may or may not be board members on the nonprofit I was leading. He helped me become more business-minded while maintaining a ministry-focused attitude. All of these things I needed in my life, and all of which I was not taught as a kid. My father, a hard-working, blue-collar man, didn't pass along these bits of knowledge, but I feel that That is why God put a man like Bill in my life, to teach me the things that my dad couldn't. There are other men in my life who have filled in the gaps where my dad's knowledge and experience reached its limits. Men such as Chris Wilkinson, my former youth minister and now friend and fellow commiserator of Auburn football. Rodney Noblet the man who taught me everything I know about woodworking. James Sled, the reason I am a hobbyist photographer. Mike Nuss, the man who taught me to be a better man and preacher. Dr. Robert Smith Jr., who called me Dr. Gill long before I realized that attaining that title was even a remote possibility. The late Dr. Calvin Miller, who instilled the love of writing and introduced me to the works of C.S. Lewis, and who wrote in his memoir, Brian Gill, a talented writer still looking for a publisher to recognize his gift. And the man who will always be a few steps ahead of me in every way, Andy Blanks, who brought Dr. Miller's words to fruition by publishing my first book many years ago, Others include Tommy Gaither, Terry Spence, Dr. Jay Wolf, Bryant Bush, and Richard Jones. Each of these men have mentored me throughout different phases of my life, and I'm grateful for each one of them and their influence along the way. There are many women who have taught me countless lessons along the way as well. Miss Carol, Miss Zorn, Miss George, Dr. Johns, and all of my former teachers and I am grateful for them beyond measure. However, men specifically need other men from whom they can learn, men who they can trust in the face of success and failure. Every man needs to both follow the trails of old where great men have trod, as well as to blaze their own trail for future men to follow. Plato needed Socrates, Aristotle needed Plato, and Alexander the Great needed Aristotle. Gene Rhodes wrote in a 2015 article, The Chronicle of Evidence-Based Mentoring, entitled The Top 25 Mentoring Relationships in History, that behind every successful person, there's a mentor who helped them along the way. After reading her list of mentoring relationships, one begs the question, would Bill Gates be the successful businessman he is today without his mentor, Warren Buffett? Would Quincy Jones be the music legend he is without being mentored by Ray Charles? And would Henry David Thoreau be the influential writer he was had it not been for Ralph Waldo Emerson's influence as his mentor? One would argue that they would not. One mentoring relationship that Rhodes did not mention 
was that of C.S. Lewis and W.T. Kirkpatrick, known by the Lewises as the Great Knock. Kirkpatrick tutored C.S. Lewis and his brother Warney Lewis, and he also taught their father years earlier. Under the tutelage of the Great Knock, Lewis was challenged and pushed beyond his own ability and found parts of himself that he didn't know existed. It's not far-fetched to claim that C.S. Lewis's ability to reason, oritate, and write works such as Mere Christianity exist as a result of the Great Knox mentorship. The ride Bill and I took in New York began to take shape many years earlier, long before he and I ever met. It was 1980-something, and there was an upcoming bikeathon with our Cub Scout troop. I was eager to participate. However, there was only one problem. I didn't know how to ride a bike. I was one of the last of my friends to learn how to ride a bike. And because of my dad's work schedule, it took someone other than my father spending their Saturdays teaching me how to ride. My scout leader devoted several Saturdays to teaching me how to ride in the parking lot of the high school so I could participate with my friends in the bikeathon. Thus ensued my love of cycling. As a college student at Auburn University, I would park in the further spot away from my classes and ride my bike onto campus. Tom, Clint, Seth, and I thought we were much cooler than we were. On second thought, they, they were cool. I was just tagging along in my Walmart special, trying to look as cool as them riding on their nice bikes. Nonetheless, I was heartbroken when my beat-up bike was stolen one day during a final exam, one I probably had not prepared for. When Sarah and I lived in Memphis, we bought nice road bikes. Memphis is an excellent place to ride. And on more than one occasion, I would ride with her to work some 20 miles away. The flat terrain, abundance of bike lanes, and rail-to-trail systems uh, made Memphis a cyclist dream. Not to mention the regular aroma of slow-cooked pork smacking you in the face as you pass the many barbecue restaurants along the way. Many nights, since we didn't have children at the time, Sarah and I would ride down the river wall alongside the mighty Mississippi River at sunset. It was much easier to get in a quick 20-mile ride after work before the logistics of finding a babysitter became a reality. The love of extended bike rides was birthed along that Mississippi River, and in April of 2016, two years after Sarah and I had moved from Memphis to Birmingham, my co-host and longtime friend Brad Hill and I decided to ride Bow Bikes Bama, a 60-mile trek around Auburn, Alabama, to raise money for the Governor's Emergency Relief Fund. Auburn is affectionately dubbed the loveliest village on the plains. However, the only part of that city that would technically be considered a plain is the stretch of grass located inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. The rest of the city and surrounding area is a labyrinth of rolling hills. The day started out with much anticipation 
and adrenaline as Brad and I, along with several thousand other cyclists, gathered along the streets of Auburn University to begin the 60-mile ride. My excitement only lasted a brief moment and quickly subsided as I began ascending the first of many grueling hills. We had only ridden about five miles when the haunting realization set in that my training on flat roads and a stationary bike had not adequately prepared me for what I was about to endure. Brad, on the other hand, was extremely prepared as he had been training for an Ironman. And he made many trips against the flow of traffic to come and check to make sure I was not abandoned on the side of the roads of Lee County, Alabama. A lesser friend would, would not have done it. But in all, Brad probably rode 70 miles in the duration of the 60-mile ride when his return trips to check on me are included in his mileage. Now at the finish line, Bo Jackson was signing autographs for the riders, something I was excited about. Having grown up in the 80s and the 90s, Bo Jackson was larger than life and one of my childhood heroes. Growing up, I had every baseball card of Bo Jackson, even the iconic Nike posters indicating that Bo knows. So as a man in my mid-30s, I wanted to meet him and get his autograph. However, I finished my bike ride at around the six or seven hour mark, and by that time, I took my bike to my car and changed shoes. Bo had finished signing for the event. I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed. Alas, I gave up my quest to get the signature of the greatest athlete of all time and found a restroom instead. As I exited the building where I'd made my pit stop before driving home, I couldn't believe my eyes. There was Bo Jackson, standing outside his car, surrounded by his family and friends. I approached his entourage and elbowed my way through the crowd close enough to tap him on the shoulder. Mr. Bo, Mr. Bo, I said, out of breath and nervous as if I were my 12-year-old self again. He turned around, and although I had only momentarily feared for my life, he was gracious to hear my plea. Mr. Bo, I continued, can I get your autograph on my race bib? You had stopped signing by the time I crossed the finish line. There I stood in front of a Heisman Trophy winner, former two-sport professional athlete, MLB All-Stars Most Valuable Player, Pro Bowl Running Back. Urban legend and consensus greatest athlete of all time. I awaited his reply. He looked at me with his head cocked sideways, and I could see his thoughts as the five hours he had just spent signing autographs at the finish line flashed through his mind. <laughs> he graciously took my bib and pen and signed it, handing it back to me. He said, in a way that only Bo Jackson could say it. He said, you, you need to get in shape. I'm not quite sure what I said next. It was probably some self-deprecating joke that made light of the situation. Nonetheless, I'd met my childhood hero, and he told me I needed to get in shape. Yes, sir, Mr. Bo. I'll get on that, because after all, Bo knows.
A couple of years later, my dad's health had gotten worse. His lungs were continuing to fail him, and he received a lung transplant. The road to recovery had proved to be long and difficult, but we felt like we were making progress. Dad was going to physical therapy regularly, and his lung function was increasing. My kids had been able to visit with mom and dad regularly in the three months at the apartment provided by Red Mountain Grace. Red Mountain Grace is an incredible nonprofit that offers gracious hospitality to patients receiving long-term care in the Birmingham hospitals. The goal for mom and dad was that they would only stay in the apartment for a hundred days and then they would be able to go home and continue healing there. It was day 98 and dad was having a good day. He and mom picked me up from work and I was able to eat lunch with them before his physical therapy session later that day. Looking back, that was the lunch that I'll never forget. After work that day and feeling like I could break away from the phone for a couple of hours, I decided to go for a bike ride. When you're caring for a loved one, nobody tells you how tense you stay all the time and how with every phone call you receive, your chest tightens at the fear of bad news on the other end. For me to put my phone away for this afternoon's ride was a big deal. We felt confident that Dad was doing well enough for me to take a mental break on my bike. So, I went for a ride. My goal was probably around 20 miles. However, my world stopped when I met my wife who was jogging on the trail. With tears streaking down her face, she couldn't talk much. All she said was, you need to call your mom. It's about your dad. I didn't ask questions. I turned around immediately and rode as fast as I could back to my car. Missed calls and missed text messages filled the screen on my phone. I didn't need to call mom to know what had happened. I knew in my heart that dad was gone. Nevertheless, I called her, and in between sobs, I understood enough words to realize that my greatest fear had come true. My dad was dead, and all of a sudden, I felt lost and alone. The details of that night are forever etched into my mind, and too many to fit into the remaining pages of this essay. The sights, the sounds, the smells, the people who surrounded me with love and outpouring of kindness. I will never forget those things. That ride ended up being only nine miles. Even now, every time I hit mile nine on a bike ride, my chest still tightens a little. Cycling will forever be connected to my father, both in his life and in his death. In his life, by the way, he rode that old stationary bike for years to get into shape. It was something I admired about him as a kid and something I tried to emulate as an adult. And in his death, 
by receiving the news of his passing while on a ride, a nine-mile ride. The next year, to honor my dad's life and death, I organized a 60-mile ride as a fundraiser called Tour de Grace to benefit Red Mountain Grace, the wonderful people who were so kind to my family during our darkest hour. On the anniversary of his death, a solid group of about 20 riders or so rode the Chief Ladiga Trail in Anniston, Alabama. This trail is a 33-mile rail-to-trail paved road that connects to the 60-mile Silver Comet Trail in West Georgia, making the two combined trails the second longest paved trail in the United States. Yet another reason Alabama is such a unique state for the outdoors. Bill was not able to make the Tour de Grace ride, but it was shortly afterwards that we began riding regularly. Still living in Nashville, Bill travels a lot for his work, and many times we're able to meet at random places to ride. However, it never fails that when we ride, God's hand of favor is on us, and we have sunny weather and cool temperatures. It's become kind of a joke that regardless of the time of year, we only ride when it's sunny and 70 degrees. Since Dad's passing, we've ridden the Chief Ladiga several times. We've also ridden the Tanglefoot Trail in Mississippi twice. The Tanglefoot is an absolute gem of a paved trail through North Mississippi that spans 43.6 miles north and south. According to their website, this pristine paved trail allows you to travel down the path of the Chickasaws and Meriwether Lewis on the railroad built by William Faulkner's great-grandfather, Colonel William C. Faulkner. But as storied as this trail is, Bill and I have found a treasure of our own at around mile 25 in Algoma, Mississippi. When you pull into the tiny gas station with two pumps, You'll be greeted by a sweet bulldog-hound mix. Now, we're not sure of her name, but most people just call her Fat Dog. <laughs> and the story goes that they found her one day and tried to give her away three times. But she just keeps coming back. They finish by saying, I guess that makes her ours. Once you get past Fat Dog and make your way through the push door with the little bell on the handle, you begin to smell the aroma of freshly baked, made-from-scratch biscuits, fried ham and bologna. The sweetest and most outgoing woman you've ever met will greet you. Her name is Miss Tabby, like the cat. She runs the place and she will ask, What can I fix you for your breakfast, hon? To which there is only one right answer. A ham egg and cheese biscuit, ma'am. That biscuit has become an absolute treasure for Bill and me on the tangled foot. It's a little bit of a ride and a little bit of work to get to, but if you're willing to put in the 25 miles on the bike to get there, it's worth every minute. These rides with Bill, including the New York Five Burrows ride, which was an incredible way to see the city, and I highly recommend it have become therapy sessions for me, as I am still navigating the loss of my dad, being a dad, being a husband, and trying to advance my career. Whether Bill knows it or not, 
He's been able to fill a big gap that was left in my life that day my dad died. We've solved the world's problems and identified a few more on our rides. Bill has created space for me to be vulnerable and ask questions that I wouldn't feel comfortable asking anyone else. I think men need that. Men need a space to ask questions and not feel ridiculed for asking them. We need a place to say, I don't know what you're talking about, but will you teach me? I'm very fortunate to have men like Bill and all the men God has brought to my life who have shaped me. Perhaps one day I will be a Bill for someone else. One thing I've realized over the years of learning from mentors is if you are a father, be the best daddy you can be. But know you are not capable of teaching your children everything. Surround yourself with great men and women who will teach your children the things you cannot. And be that person for others. And just like traveling to strange places with funny names just to ride bikes and eat Miss Tabby's ham biscuits takes work, if you're willing to put in the work in a mentoring relationship, the rewards are great and the time is worth it. As Paul Bear Bryant, legendary head football coach for Texas A&M and most notably the University of Alabama, once said, The price of victory is high, but so are the rewards. Thank you so much for everyone that takes time to listen to these episodes, these stories, and these interviews. We are so thankful for your listenership. If you could do us a huge favor and you're still listening, God bless you if you're still listening. If you could do us a huge favor, if you haven't taken time to leave us a rating on Spotify, which you can do now, you can leave us a a star rating. If you would leave us a rating on Spotify or if you're an iTunes listener, uh, take some time to write us a review. It would be a huge blessing to the work that we're trying to do and, and share with people all around. So if you would go on iTunes and leave us a written review and a, and, and a rating, man, it would be a huge blessing to us. Um, it just makes it easier for people to find us. And when they do find us, they can see those ratings and it encourages people to engage in these stories. So if you're enjoying yourself, Uh, listening to these stories and being encouraged take some time to leave us a review it'd be a huge blessing if you want to see pictures from some of these essays and stories and interviews there's lots and lots of content at thestoriedoutdoors.com it's a great place to go and just just kind of a, a a place for everything storied outdoors, whether uh, it's photos and uh, blogs. Um, there are also uh, video content there, and uh, there's there's ways to contact us uh, if you want to get in on some merch, some of these hats that we have. Uh, there's information and contact there on the website. So thank you for listening. If you're stuck it out, uh, we hope these stories encourage you. I encourage you to share your own adventures and write your own stories in the storied outdoors.